Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Liar. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined by our college basketball co-host as we record on a Monday evening, looking at the Tuesday rotation on the college hardwood. I know him as Bill Christie. You know him as Lucha Larry on gambling Twitter at Larry's Locks 2. Bill, always good to have you board again. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. We were just talking a bit before we got on here, and I put it out there on, on my Twitter account that I'm, I'm running a free Telegram link uh, with all my leans. I've kind of been inspired by our boy Greg Peterson um, out there from the VSIN network who puts out a play for every single college basketball side and total. I'm not getting that crazy in playing the totals out there as well. I'm just putting out uh, a, a side for each game in college basketball and college football and the NFL and I, I mean, I can't believe when I went through all the games uh, this evening to see where I stood, and I ended up finishing twenty-five and eight 
<laughs> on all my leans across the three sports, and three of those eight losses lost by a hook. So anybody that's been on that for today, um, you're welcome. <laughs> Hopefully you guys played <laughs> a lot of those a lot of those leans and did some damage. Uh, and my VIPs did very well um, as well, and hopefully that continues going forward. But, you know, the main thing we got going on, right, is college basketball. We got some decent games coming up tomorrow, uh, and that's why we're on here today because there's not going to be much going on uh, later on in the week because we got the holidays coming up. But excited right. to see some big-named teams go at it tomorrow night and uh, dive into it here with you. Let me ask you, though, Bill, before we get into the college basketball, you uh, I know we texted a little bit on Saturday about some of the conference championship action on over the weekend. Are you uh, diving into the bowl games at all or not really? Oh, abs- absolutely. Absolutely. I'm a college basketball number one, college football number two, as far as like my, handicapping. my viewership and stuff like that. Handicapping, for, like I, I just started to keep track of all my college football when I first started the account. I'm at over 57% for college football, so I, that's my best. Wow. Um, I didn't expect it. I, I know I had a really good year last year with college basketball, and it's always kind of been my bread and butter. Um, but college football, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's because there's no fans there. It it, it helped impact the handicapping in a positive way for me. But, yeah, those, both college sports, though, I love. I absolutely love watching. If I had to watch, you know, one sport for the rest of my life and I couldn't watch anything else, it'd be college basketball, and number two would be college football. I put it in a wow. number three. Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm surprised to hear that from somebody that's from – we're from the same area and obviously such a pro-heavy market in Philly. True. But I, I love it. I mean, I, I grew up with the Philly Big Five and definitely was disappointed. Of course, until my time at Temple when Matt Rule really turned the program around, the football program obviously didn't give you much to cheer about. So um, I will say, though, and I don't know how you feel about this. Maybe you're one of them. I've never actually touched on this with you. But all of the Penn State fans in the South Jersey Philly area always drew me crazy. Oh, they're pathetic. I'm a Michigan guy. I can't stand hearing about okay. Penn State all the time. Okay. It's a cult. It's a little cult. And look, like, hey, my brother and sister-in-law are from Penn State. They went to Penn State. They went oh, to, uh, yeah. to Maine for two years on the campus. And look, I don't. I'm not going to wish them ill will when when they play, but I do get sick and tired of it because they anoint James Franklin like he's the greatest thing. Like, look, my brother-in-law, who's a very very smart guy. <laughs> and is is super into sports, like knows his stuff. Um, sure. He he was uh, he was rooting for Penn State to get the five hundred this year, and I'm like, well, well, why do you care? Like, <laughs> you're not you're not going to be in a major bowl. And and he agrees with me actually. Like, he's not a huge James Franklin fan. Like, if you're not a big James Franklin fan and you want to see some kind of change, you should be rooting for him to lose. Like, look at me, I'm a Michigan guy. I cannot stand Jim Harbaugh. I was rooting for us to lose every single game this year. I was going to say, how like, fed up over uh, both seven and five, eight and four uh, seasons. You know what? I'm not even so mad about how the seasons panned out, honestly. I'm more frustrated at the fact that he could not recruit a quarterback. That that oh, has driven yeah, me out of my true. mind since his tenure started. It, Especially as mind. a former Michigan quarterback. Yes, Exactly, and a guy who who went out there and got Andrew Luck and got, you know, not a bigger name, but and a guy like Kevin Hogan who's had a great career at Stanford. Like, how sure. does he not get a guy to come here, come to Michigan? At least be a good college quarterback. Yeah, at least half decent. Yeah, it's yeah. – uh, let's move on. Let's move on. I'm getting well, last, I just want to ask, what do you think about Notre Dame getting in over A&M? Uh, as, as, as much as my hatred is for Penn State, it's tenfold for Notre Dame. Okay. And the fact, the fact that they're in it is, to me, just – epitomizes what a joke the whatever the committee is because 
to get to see a team get absolutely trounced. Like, look, it'd be different if you're talking about a team like a Coastal Carolina, right? Like, they're on the edge, or even a Cincinnati, and they went against Clemson and got smoked. You know for a fact that that team would not be going in to the college football playoff. The brand and the allure. No, exactly. Look, Notre Dame's in there because of their name and because they have these, speaking of cult-like followings, apparently if you're you're a Roman Catholic and you're Irish, you're you're automatically a Notre Dame fan. I don't understand that at all. (laughs) You know, it's like, oh, well, how come you're a Notre Dame fan? I'm Catholic and I'm Irish. So? (laughs) Did you you watch Rudy? You're a Notre Dame fan now? Come on. That's that's so ridiculous. Yeah, to me, the reason that they're in there is because of the money. You know, like, they're going to get people to watch the games with them being in there. But, hey, I'm happy they're facing Bama. I hope Bama beats them by 60 points. You know, and and Brian Kelly, who, quote, unquote, wanted to uh, boycott the bowl games or whatever he said. And, you know, he's going to kind of get his opportunity now because I think that would be his best bet if they just didn't show up to this game. (laughs) Well, we'll certainly see how things play out in a few weeks' time come college football playoff uh, semifinals. But let's go to the college hardwood now. That's what we're here to do and try and give you – a few winners on this slate. Uh, Bill, let's start. You have a couple of uh, smaller school picks that I want to get in and get out with here. Um, so we're going to kind of jump around a little bit, uh, not actually jumping through in rotation order here, just because we're kind of picking and choosing our spots. We're actually going to go with the last game in the rotation first here. As you're looking at uh, a home dog here, Grand Canyon, Catching doubles against Colorado. Colorado giving 11.5 at home. Total of 140 in this game. Uh, why don't you take everybody through the Grand Canyon handicap? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to have much to say on, on, on most of these games. Um, just because I didn't really dive too deep into them. These are my some of my initial looks that really stood out to me, though. Um, and Grand Canyon was one of them. To me, there's this is way too many points for this game. Uh Grand Canyon, a 5-0 and against the spread this season. They're a cover machine. They only lost to Arizona State by one point, and they lost to a very sneaky, good San Francisco team by only sure. three as well. So their only two losses were two decent programs. Um, I know Arizona State's been struggling, but still they are one of the top-level teams within the Pac-12. Um, and then you look on the other side of it, in Colorado, like their two quote-unquote big wins – would be considered Kansas State and Washington. And we know Washington is a shell of what they thought they were going to be going into this season. Um, So to me, those two big wins really aren't that big. And again, simply put the numbers too high. Um, I think Colorado is still going to win. Like I'm not, I'm not super tempted to sprinkle anything on the money line here with Grand Canyon. Um, But to me, they're going to keep it close. Even if it gets like, it's like a 15, 16 point game, which I still, I don't, I really don't believe it's going to get to that point. Um, even if it does get to that, I, I still will feel comfortable with Grand Canyon. Like they're that good of a team. Um, I don't want to say that they know what the number is all the time. Maybe they do, uh, but the fact they've covered this many games is is pretty amazing. And well, I know people, some people we know would argue, you know, regression back to the mean, and they're due to take a loss here against the spread. But I just. I just don't anticipate it in this game, really. I really think they're going to keep it close against uh, against the Buffs in Colorado. Well, and just a general principle that I kind of like to look at, when you're talking about these dogs that continue to cover, I think those are the ones that are less likely to result in market, rea- you know, uh, kind of adjustments 
because yeah. if they're still losing the game, then I think the general public is generally going to look at those teams and say, well, they're still not very good. Look at their straight-up record or look at who they've played and look at what's happened. Like, there, there's definitely going to be some people that look at this and say, oh, Grand Canyon against Colorado, and Grand Canyon lost the games against better opponents, and so Colorado will blow them out. And, you know, it's a cross-board analogy, Bill, but, and I don't have anything here, but just speaking to my point, like, I'm sure you know the, the trends on Teddy Bridgewater as an underdog against the spread. Like, yeah. he continues to, and he did it again on Saturday night, he continues to cover these spreads because he just keeps the game close, and time and time again, People look at a team that he is quarterbacking and think, oh, well, you know, they're not going to keep that game that close. It's Teddy Bridgewater or whatever. And so the point I'm making here is if you continually cover as a big dog, it feels like that is the time where you can continue to back those teams and have success because until they start winning games straight up and garnering a little more attention nationwide, the betting market doesn't really adjust as strongly. That's just my thought here. Yeah, I agree, and I don't think this game is even in Colorado. I don't, I don't believe they don't have a. Yeah, it's in Vegas. So like, and granted, they don't have that many fans if they have any in there at all. But the fact that they're not going to be on their home court either, you know, kind of lends itself to to being able to play the the dog there as well. Let's move on, and uh, we'll get to another uh, one of your picks. I want to let you go on. Uh, we have another mid major, but uh, another mid major against another Power Five team, and you're going to be on Bradley. Very similar, I suppose, in terms of the spot here. Double-digit line, Bradley catching 11, total of 135.5. Uh, basically running back the Grand Canyon handicap here? Uh, not necessarily. So I this, this might be my favorite play on the board tomorrow. Um, we talk a lot you know, on different sports about letdown spots. And look ahead spots, right? Like there, there are times you want to kind of fade the team that has a look ahead spot or a letdown spot. Mizzou, they are smack dab in the middle of both of these scenarios, right? They have they have the letdown. They just played and had a great, impressive win against Illinois on Saturday, right? And I, I think I was on them. Uh, yeah, I think we talked about that on the podcast. We talked week. about that. Um, yeah, and then they have a look ahead game. Their next game is against number eight, the country Tennessee. So. Like, Mizzou's in a spot where, like, I don't – I can't see them getting up for this Bradley game. I think if you look at either side, they're either going to be just beat up and exhausted from that big Illinois win, have a letdown, or they're like, oh, Bradley, whatever, we'll take care of them. Let's think about what we're going to do against uh, Tennessee coming up here. And and Bradley is no slouch. You know what I mean? Like, they're not a team that you're going to walk in there and they're just going to hand you the game. That is not going to happen in this whatsoever. Um, and it's, their, it's arguably Bradley's – biggest game of their season. This is the only team currently on their schedule. I know the schedules are, like, ever-changing. But right now, Mizzou is the only ranked opponent that Bradley will face all season. So when you look at it that way, like, Bradley, they have nothing to nothing to lose in this game. Only thing they can have is the game. So the fact that it's 11.5, again, similar to Grand Canyon in that fashion, that, like, there's definitely way too many points in this. And I mentioned right. with Grand Canyon, I would, very, I would hesitate – a ton, probably not at all, put any kind of money line bet on it. Sure. I will absolutely be sprinkling money line on this. I think this is a spot where Bradley can get so up for this game and steal one from Mizzou. And look, at, Mizzou can go out, lose this game, and then walk into Tennessee and smack Tennessee. Like, it's, right. it's totally possible. Um, but I'm definitely going to be playing Bradley for two, possibly three units, and I'm absolutely going to put a unit 
um, on their money line. I don't even know what it is, but it's got to be relatively high. Yeah, no, I, I think point is well taken that this is not a good spot for Mizzou. They're into the top 25 after that victory over, uh, excuse me, over Illinois. Yeah. And, I mean, that was also, by the time this game tips tomorrow, it'll have been 10 days since they played. So right. I think that maybe also enhances your angle on the look ahead. Is like, well, you know, Mizzou and Bradley, as I look at their schedule, Bradley played twice last week at the end of the week, Thursday, uh, last Thursday against Jackson State and on Saturday mm-hmm. against Miami of Ohio. And, you know, whereas Mizzou had the whole week. So I think, as I said, that could even enhance the look ahead element because well, they just beat Illinois. And now they have the whole week to look ahead to Tennessee. So right. yeah, like like what you, like, and again, I, I go back now to like when I was when I was coaching, like that would definitely be something I would see happen. You know, whether it be from other coaches or even when I was back when I was a player, like when you see a time off of that ex, of that ex, expanded time, and like you mentioned, like you have Tennessee coming up. All right, Bradley, whatever. We have all this time. Well, all right, let's divvy up some of these days to to actually, you know, put a bigger precedence on our our scouting reports for Tennessee because, you know, they're the team that we really have to, to make a statement against and beat. And Bradley's going to kind of get left to the side. Like, I, right. I, I, I really don't think that they're going to be up for this game at all. And, again, Missouri is a good team. We talked about them when we first started the podcast yeah. um, for the season about being one of those teams within the That's conference that can make a run. And, they, and they've kind of, you know, been that team so far. But, again, I think this is a phenomenal spot for Bradley, a very dangerous one for Mizzou. And, you know, I hope I'm right on this one and Mizzou doesn't come out and blow the doors off him. But I really think it's going to stay inside that number of 11.5, 12 for sure. I want to get my first pick, and maybe we're sounding like a broken record here, taking these double-digit mid-major underdogs against Power 5 teams. But I'm going to keep that train rolling with the North Dakota State Bison taking on the Texas Christian University Horned Frogs. And uh, basically, we're seeing in this game pretty much market-wide 12 uh, has been the opener for TCU as the favorite, total of 128 and a half. And I think my play here, and I, I can just speak to this, working in northern Minnesota, not too far from North Dakota State, I can tell you that uh, there was a lot of turnover on this roster for the Bison, and they were a team that won back-to-back Summit League conference tournaments. Uh, and two years ago, gave Duke a nice first half before Duke opened it up. North Dakota State still covered that game. And last year, North Dakota State won the Summit League again and probably would have been a good enough seed to maybe make win at least a game in the NCAA tournament had it happened, obviously. So a lot of turnover for that program this year, though, and so I'm not totally surprised to see the Bison off to a slow start. Uh, Straight-up record for North Dakota State is just 2-5. and five. But they are 4-3 and three against the spread, and what really makes me like this is just the recent form, and obviously I say recent as if there's a big body of work, obviously, mm-hmm. still just seven games under their belt, but uh, North Dakota State had a stretch of three straight games, two of them were true road games, and another neutral site game, at Creighton, at Kansas, neutral site game against South Dakota State. We all know about Creighton and Kansas, we're going to talk about Kansas a little bit later with their big game against West Virginia, but obviously those are teams that are nationally ranked, top 15 programs, could make the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, and South Dakota State is the heavy favorite in the Summit League. North Dakota State covered all three games, 
Uh, they only lost by four against Kansas as a 25-point underdog. And they only lost by two against South Dakota State as a seven-and-a-half-point underdog. So that was an indicator to me that it was a North Dakota State team. They're playing a lot of young guys, as I said, at that program right now in Fargo. That was a sign to me that they're starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together and starting to figure out a little more about what kind of team they could be. And sure enough, what happened after the South Dakota State game, they get their first two wins of the season after an 0-5 start. They beat South Dakota on a neutral floor, and they beat North Dakota, albeit by one point, no cover. I think there's some, a lot of positive momentum right now for the Bison, just in terms of, as I said, figuring out what they're going to be after the two straight conference tournament championship teams, and a lot of those guys are gone. And then you look at the flip side for Texas Christian, and the Horned Frogs were picked ninth. By the way, I love this when it's like Big 12, there's 10 teams. It's just something I always <laughs> laugh at. But Texas Christian was picked ninth in the Big 12, and okay, they're off to a nice 6-2 and two start. But I think this is also important when we think about handicapping and figuring out spots and good roles for certain teams and when you want to back teams and when you want to fade teams. Well, TCU, in uh, five of its eight games so far, has been favored, and they are just one in four against the spread in those five games. Recently, the reason we've seen TCU off to this nice start is we're seeing a couple of wins as short dogs. In conference play against Oklahoma State, they won outright as a five-point underdog. They beat Oklahoma, or excuse me, they covered against Oklahoma as a four-and-a-half-point underdog. And as a one-point underdog, they not a conference game anymore, but they beat Texas A&M in convincing fashion, 73-55. to So I'll give them credit for those performances. But as I said, only one in four against the spread as a favorite, and two of those games that they did not cover were double-digit spreads. And so that's what we have here. And as I said, it's still a TCU team that was picked to finish ninth in the Big 12. So them winning games as a short underdog is nice. Uh, but generally speaking, as I said, just kind of a principle that I like to follow. When you see these teams winning games as short dogs and, you know, all of a sudden the straight-up record looks good – Mm-hmm. then you see them be thrusted into this big favorite role. Eh, I, that's when I look to fade them. So, um, you know, and as I said, the reason form for NDSU, those three covers against Kansas, Creighton, South Dakota State, and then followed up with the two straight-up wins, a lot's lining up for me with the Bison here. I don't know if you have anything. No, just listening to you talk about it, and I, and I looked at some of the stuff while you were speaking about them, and, you know, we talk about it all the time when you're on the dogs. It's nice to see them shoot a, a good percentage from the foul line, and, and they shoot 77%, which is great. On the flip side, TCU shoots sub-65. So, you know, if the game comes down to that, which it very well could as far as the, the line, not so much the actual game, um, you're going to be in a good spot with North Dakota State here. And, yeah, TCU, they, I don't know who they are. You know what I mean? Like, you mentioned some of their good wins. The Texas A&M win was was phenomenal. That's a very good Texas A&M sure. team, and they took care of them handily. Um, you know, but they they lost to an Oklahoma team who's eh. They lost to a Providence team who's eh. They have a nice win against a Tulsa team that's been playing pretty well. Um, they barely got by Liberty, who's okay. They barely got by Northwestern State. You know, they only beat them by six. So, like, I, I agree with your uh, analysis on this. You know, with the line being this high, I, if you're taking TCU here, I don't understand, like, what your 
what you're looking at and you're saying, okay, I have to play TCU here. That would make absolutely no sense. It feels like you're buying TCU stock at the top of the market, which you never want to do. Right, exactly, 100%. Let's get to one more of your picks before we get to a commercial break, uh, and we'll keep it riding with the mid-majors. Uh, where and we'll actually stay with the North Dakota team, but this time you're going to look to the other side. Uh, it's Drake uh, laying 14 and a half against North Dakota, total of 139 and a half. And you know, as I said, living close to these schools, uh, kind of familiar with what's been going on. North Dakota played against NDSU in the Summit League Conference Championship last year, but it's been an ugly, ugly start for the Fighting Hawks. There, uh, you're on the other side. What do you like about Drake? Yeah, Drake is very similar to Grand Canyon, an absolute cover machine. 6-0, including 3-0 as home chalk against the spread. Other side, North Dakota, they're only 1-3 as a road dog. Um, North Dakota, they're over they're over the 250 number for offensive and defensive efficiency. We just talked about free throw percentage. They shoot 63% from the line. That, like... That's Again, awesome. as a as a former coach, like that makes me want to vomit. Like if that team, <laughs> if that was my team, like they would never leave the gym. Like all we would be doing is shooting foul shots. <laughs> to be a Division One program and to have a team shoot sixty three percent from the foul line is atrocious. Um, the one thing that Drake does very very well is they hit the offensive glass. Um, I see them doing that in this game a ton, uh, similar to what we talked about with North Carolina last week. How. You know, sometimes their best offensive play is just a missed shot where they can hit the boards and get a putback. Uh, I see Drake doing that a lot in this game. 15 shouldn't be too much for them. I see them covering by 20-plus, uh, not covering by 20, winning the game by 20 and covering comfortably in this one. Yeah, no argument for me, and it's funny. A buddy of mine that regularly bets college basketball tipped me off on Drake is covering every fucking game, and you know, it's uh, some of these smaller schools, as I said, when there's less action on those games, it does make me wonder. And I don't pay close enough attention to the way the market moves on some on all these games. But one can only think that the mid-majors that do this are going to be easier to continue to bet than, yeah. you know, Kentucky covering every game or whatever. Absolutely. And, and I just want to say one thing. Like, we're talking about... Grand Canyon and talking about Drake, they're both cover machines. That doesn't mean to bet your bankroll on these teams. Right. I cannot tell you how much I've seen this recently where, oh, all right, they're, they're playing so well, or the opposite, where they're, they're fading people. Again, I'm going to mention the guy's name again, Greg Peterson. He's Operation Fade Chicago State. And I'm on board for that. Like, if you are if you find some of those spots, like <laughs> Chicago State, uh, Mississippi Valley State, uh, I think it's South Carolina State, and then there was another team I saw today. Same thing, where like they're auto fades, just fade them. Don't play them. Don't up your units every single time on them. Play them for a unit, fade them for a unit every single game. I guarantee you, at the end of the season, all those plays you make on that team will be profitable. Same thing on this. When you find a team like a Drake or a Grand Canyon that seems to be like, okay, they're going to be covering these longer spreads. I'm going to play them, and I will. I will keep playing them all the way out until I take, like, two straight losses from the fade or from or from Talonum. Like, I'm, going to, I'm okay with that. It's just, again, you've got to be careful with it. Don't start upping your units because you're like, oh, they cover every game. Or, oh, oh right. they don't exactly. cover I've any won six bets in a row on this team, right. so that makes exactly. the seven more likely to hit. Exactly. It drives me out of my mind when I see that or, like, 
you know, how I'm sitting here talking to you about this, and we're, our listeners are going to listen to it, and I get people that will DM me, and they'll say, oh, my God, you said how Drake, they don't they don't lose. They cover every game. Yeah, they've covered every game so far. I mean, they're not yeah, going to do it. That doesn't mean this is a guaranteed winner. Right, exactly, exactly. And look, I think that's a big part of any gambler's life is you have to have bankroll management. If you don't, you're never going to win long term. And and for me, and, and this is what I do for a living, like that's that's how I have to look at it as, and that's how everybody should look at it as. It's not a lottery ticket. It is a long-term investment, and it's fun while you do it. So absolutely. That's, my, that's, no, that's, that's my little soapbox in the middle of this. No, that's well said. Uh, that's absolutely well said, and it can't be stated enough that, uh, you know, you got to be smart and enjoy it and understand that you're going to have your ups and downs and just kind of take the punches as they come and don't ride the highs out too much and don't ride the lows out too little. You know, hang in there if you're struggling and don't change anything if you're winning. Just kind of stay the course the whole time and be true to your process. So on that note, we'll take a break and we'll come back with a few more picks for the Tuesday college basketball slate. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria, and you can contact them the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. 73% of online job seekers in the United States are visiting Indeed each month, according to Comscore's total visits. So it's clear Indeed can help you get the quality hire you need. That's why more than 3 million businesses worldwide are using Indeed for hiring. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. And we're back here on Full Slate, a BlueWire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my picks on gambling Twitter at UndercoverGreg. Joined by Lucha Larry, find him and all of his picks at Larry's Locks 2. Uh, Bill, before we get back into the nitty-gritty of the Tuesday college basketball schedule, I might as well ask you, this is our last time that we'll record before the Christmas holiday. What are the plans with the family? Uh, we don't have much going on. We're going to be bunkering down here at home. Uh, I got my father coming over at some point, and then we're going to be going over to the in-laws uh, to hang out with 
our two nephews and uh, my well, wife. We've got to try and squeeze them both in there, right? What's that? Oh gosh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> no, no choice on the matter for that. No, we have, we have to squeeze them in for sure. Any How about uh, you? Last minute Christmas shopping, or you got all that out of the way by now? Uh, I, I, me and my wife went uh, two days ago. Yesterday, we ran a Target. We we sent the kids off to her parents. And we wrapped all the gifts, and uh, <laughs> we're looking at them. We're like, ah, this is as much as we thought we had. So then we ran a Target real quick and did some last minute shopping. But we're all good yeah. now, so we can relax for the next couple of days before uh, before the big guy comes. There you go. Now I'm looking forward to heading back to my hometown of Cherry Hill and flying into Philly on Wednesday morning uh, from here in Minnesota, where I work. And it'll just be good to see everybody. You know, it's been a tough year for everybody. And one thing that I it has hit home with me a little more this year than prior years. I think the holidays at the end of the year, Thanksgiving in November and Christmas in December, kind of were always a good way to cap the year off. But I think especially this year when so many people across the country in whatever profession you work in or, or even school has been different, like so many people have had tough years. I feel like it's even more rewarding now to get to Christmas and just be able to enjoy something as simple as hanging out with the family in the living room, you know? Yeah, 100%. It's... <laughs> It's a good way to end a terrible year, so hopefully 2021. And hey, we got, we got even one thing that we can take from this that we normally wouldn't have. We got a little college basketball on Christmas Day this year. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. We haven't had that before, so yeah, that is very it's like true. A, it's exciting. So an ad yesterday, I can't remember the teams watching NFL. Fox has a Big Ten game of a couple of relevant programs. I want to say Wisconsin's playing. I'm going to look at it right now. Yeah, but so I'm popping uh, it up now. I think you might Michigan be right. Michigan State, Wisconsin, it might be. It was a pretty big game. Yeah, yeah it was Wisconsin, Michigan State. At yeah. 11.30, so, or 12.30 Eastern. So, you know, that'll take you right to kick off of the NFL game on Friday for Christmas Day. And, of course, there's NBA going on. So we'll have a good sports holiday for sure with some college hoops taking place on Christmas Day. But anyway, let's get back to the college basketball Tuesday action and a uh, couple of more mid-majors to discuss before we get into some of the bigger games on the schedule. And I'm going to look to a game on the West Coast between San Diego State and St. Mary's. And I'm going to look to back San Diego State minus the short number. Looks like two and a half, three. Pretty much I just laid a soft three, minus 105, uh, to take the Aztecs of San Diego State. And I remember on the beginning of our pod, we were talking about how St. Mary's had a, a little bit of turnover, and we wanted to fade them in the first game of the season against Memphis, and they lost that game by double digits. Well, since then, give the Gales all the credit in the world. They've won eight straight games, uh, and, you know, looks like in that uh, WCC, the non-Gonzaga teams, you got BYU, San Francisco, St. Mary's all right there, and it's becoming a nice little major league. Uh, but, you know, same is true for San Diego State in the Mountain West. San Diego State was the favorite preseason in this league, and we're starting to see why. I mean, I, I think coming into the year, we were all a little skeptical. Okay, Malachi Flynn was one of the best players in the country last year, and he's off to the NBA. How are they going to look? And it doesn't really seem like they've missed a beat here. And the reason why I like this enough to play it well, is a couple things. First off, obviously St. Mary's having one eight in a row kind of makes me think, well, you know, now you the, 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 the stakes are raised a little bit. They're an underdog playing a team that – quite frankly, is becoming one of the best mid-major programs in the country. And it just feels like a letdown spot here for St. Mary's. Two and three ATS in their last five, by the way, despite winning eight, eight straight in a row, uh, straight up. And, and by the way, San Diego State, top 55 in 
offensive and defensive efficiency, 54th in offensive efficiency, 26th in defensive efficiency. So they're really getting it done on the defensive end of the floor. And St. Mary's, by the way, is outside that top 55. They're 72nd in the country in offensive efficiency. So I think that you're going to have a San Diego State team lock them down pretty well defensively. Uh, as I said, take to win the Midwest, the Mountain West. Starting to see why. I think the program, there's a lot going there, and it was more than just a good player and Malachi Flynn coming through. And when I get a program like that where it just feels like there's a lot of positive momentum from year to year, and the coach there, Brian Dutcher, who quite honestly I didn't know a lot about other than he was an assistant on Steve Fisher's staff at Michigan back at the big in the Fat Five days, mm-hmm. he seems to obviously have followed Fisher to San Diego State, now he's right. head coach. He seems to have just picked up right where Fisher left off, going back to obviously those teams that had Kawhi Leonard and Billy White on San Diego State. Like, it's a mid-major program that just keeps winning. And when I get that team coming off of a double-digit loss like they did had against BYU, that's a team I expect to be focused. I expect to be ready. I expect to bounce back because this is why a program like San Diego State gets to the level that it's at because they don't have these extended lulls. And if they have a bad game, they put it behind them and they move on to the next one. All of it makes me think San Diego State here in a game against a fellow mid-major that's playing well comes out and makes a statement. San Diego State wins the game by double digits. Yeah, I'm with you here. Uh, all the reasons that you, that you mentioned, but St. Mary's, they haven't really played anybody, right? Like We, right. we faded them the first game um, of the season against Memphis, and it panned out for us. Since then, Northern Iowa, okay, they're decent. They only beat them by two. Uh, Jack Rabbit, South Dakota State, nice game, beat them by 13. Nichols State, Texas Southern, UTEP, San Jose State, uh, Eastern Washington, they beat by five. And their latest game, Colorado State, they held them to 33 points and, like, uh, okay. <laughs> you held Colorado State 33. Congratulations. Um, to me, when you look at it that way, they really haven't played a game going back into the 15th, right? So, like a week ago today against Eastern Washington, they struggled against them. Um, you know, they only beat them by five, they, they let up 75 points. Yeah, I'm going to be playing San Diego if I'm playing this game. Uh, for what you said, and the biggest thing is from what you said is about them coming off that double-digit loss to BYU. Um, you know, they're going to have a bad taste in their mouth coming into this game, and unfortunately for St. Mary's, they're going to bear the brunt of uh, a San Diego State team that's going to be pretty pissed off coming into this one. So let's wrap up our mid-major plays. I'm going to let you take the reins here on another mid-major to keep an eye on this season, and that's the Richmond Spiders. We're seeing them as 14-point chalk against Hofstra, total of 150.5. And, um, and obviously, as I mentioned, Richmond has been a uh, team that I think caught a lot of people's eyes with that victory against Kentucky early in the non-conference schedule. And, uh, you know, this also a non-conference game against Hofstra, um, but it, it hasn't seemed to matter for Richmond. You know, dog, uh, whatever, they're sitting one straight up, and, uh, you know, against Vandy, Power five, I know it's not a very good Power 5 team, but Power 5 team, they covered on the road as a seven-point chalk, covered as nine-and-a-half-point chalk against Northern Iowa. Uh, I know they're still just four and three against the spread, but I, I don't, this is that, that lefty shooter on Richmond, Blake Francis, can really stroke it, um, and I think it's a program that, uh, has a lot of positive momentum as well. We talk about these mid-majors just year-to-year year, starting to put some things together and make inroads in their league. Uh, Richmond could be doing that right now in the Atlantic 10. Why don't you take us through this game, though, and tell me why you like the Spiders laying the big number? Yeah, 
the only reason I really like them, to be honest, is they've played an actual schedule where Hofstra really hasn't. You know, I mean, Hofstra sure. three and three. They've lost to Rutgers first game of the season. Their best opponent they've played. They knocked off Taylor Dickinson. They knocked off Stony Brook and a Monmouth team that's not very good as well. Um, so I think Richmond's going to be able to take care of Richmond's top thirty in offensive efficiency, top fifty in defensive efficiency. Uh, I think Hofstra's going to hang around a little bit because uh, it's kind of been their mo early on. They'll hang around, but. I think Richmond is going to be too much, too tough for the pride here of Hofstra, and they're going to put him away uh, probably in the later stages of the second half. So as much as I like to play the full game, I, I might hesitate on this, honestly. I might wait until halftime because, um, again, like I said, I could see Hofstra hanging tight with them in the first half, maybe Richmond only being up by five, six the most, um, and grabbing a second half line or a live line at some point uh, to get that number down. And that's something we don't, we don't really talk about too, too often, uh, about live plays, and to me, it's a it's a very very profitable um, system. That if you have some teams, like if you're like, I want to give you a quick example. I had Texas A&M today minus six and a hook. Um, they went down early. They were down fifteen to three, I think, and they were down because of five straight threes. Like they're not going to keep shooting that well the entire game. So I was able to grab Texas A&M at that point, uh, the live money line, and they were. You know, it was only plus 110, but even still, they were plus money on the money line when they were fair by six, and the team came out shooting absolutely scorching hot, which we all know is going to eventually uh, slow down, and that's what happened. Texas A&M was able to take care of business. They not only won the game, but they also were able to cover that six-point spread. So in a game like this where, you know, the spread might be a little bit high, um, I might be looking to see if Hofstra, maybe Hofstra comes out hot early and knocks down a couple shots and I'm able to grab Richmond at a, at a discounted price of like, say, eight or nine. I'd feel a little bit more comfortable with that. So as much sure. as I, I like Richmond in the spot, and I think they still will cover the number of 13 and a half, um, I'm, I might just hold off on it and just hopefully see if Hofstra can come out hot and grab a, a cheaper line. You know, that's an interesting uh, school of thought on some of these games because – Oftentimes, if I like a big number like this and I'm a little hesitant to back them for the full game for one for whatever reason, I might just look first half and think, well, all right, I'm not going to have any junk time. I'm expecting the team to play its starters most of the first half and just give me like a 10-point lead at half and then I don't have to worry about how things end. But it sounds like you're looking at this the opposite way, kind of hoping that the dog gets off to the start. That way you right. can get the full game favorite uh, at a shorter price. Yeah, and I love playing first half lines. Um, it's just it's it's for lack of a better term, it's a little dangerous right now because I just don't feel as though you have it enough. It feels data. like there's more randomness, right? Like one ten two run will cost. Correct. You exactly. Exactly. Um, and I like to be able to look at the analytics of it, where you know deeper into the season, and you have those numbers of point differential from home and away. Like I love playing first half lines if I have a team who is say. You know, the point differential is minus three on the road, but it's plus 10 at home. And they're at home against a team who is the exact opposite from home and away. Sure. Um, right, that, right. that was super profitable for me last year. It's just right now you can't do it because most of the games have been at neutral sites early on. Um, and there's not been many games on the road as opposed to home. So that you don't really have the data to back it just yet. I mean, eventually we will. But, you know, piggybacking off myself here saying this, I'm really curious how the analytics and the data are going to pan out with so many of these games having being played on neutral floors and even without neutral floor, lack of fans come tournament sure. time. 
Like, I used to always look back at that and say, okay, how do I handicap these tournament games? Because they're a totally different animal. You know, you right. can't handicap tournament games the same way you would, you would handicap, you know, a regular season game. Um, and I used to always look back at the neutral court, but you really couldn't – it really didn't do much of a service because they're a different team by then. Because most of those neutral court games are being played – you know, preseason essentially, and they're a different team come tournament. So then you have to look at their conference tournament, and they are they still ride that wave. So I think this year of any year, I think you're going to be able to have some uh, significant data as far as looking at it that way from the neutral court perspective going into the tournament this year. I'm really really interested to see how that uh, plays out. You know, hopefully we're able to get good data from it, and you know, works in our favor. Um, but either way, it's going to be something unique about this season because, sure. you know, that's kind of what the whole year's been, right? The whole year's been yeah. unique. Yeah, no, that's a good point about the home road splits and the first halves. And I mean, gosh, how many times do you hear about a big game man, like Cameron Indoor and you just think, well, you know, it's going to be brutal for the team going in there right from mm-hmm. tip-off. The place yep. is going to be going crazy, you know. So it's certainly interesting how that changes with no fans or limited fans throughout the season. Uh, let's get to, speaking of Cameron Indoor, uh, let's get to uh, one of the other big venues in college basketball uh, as we have the Kansas Jayhawks uh, hosting the West Virginia Mountaineers at Allen Fieldhouse in Lawrence. And we're seeing Kansas as a short two-point favorite in this game. Bill, you have a play here on the side. Uh, why don't you tell everybody which way you're looking? Before I do, you have it down to two already? Uh, bet Online is Ooh. at two right now. Wow. All right. Well, I grabbed it at three oh, already. value here? I grabbed, it, I grabbed West Virginia at three already um, okay. before we jumped on. Uh, and, that again, that, that just makes me like to play uh, even more, the fact that line's dropping. However, I will say all this with hesitancy. Kansas is one of those teams. We all have them where you feel like if you bet on them, they screw you. You bet against them, they <laughs> screw you. I think it's the curse of, of Bill Self, who I always say I don't think is as good a coach as everybody makes him out to be. However, um, I will be playing West Virginia here. Like I said, I already put this out to my guys. Uh, West Virginia, they are 2-0 and versus ranked opponents this season. Um, when you flip it over, Kansas is only 1-3. and That's against the spread, not straight up, obviously. Uh, only lost by... Uh, West Virginia this year has been to the Zags, who are a different breed. They only lost by five. They played them tough. Um, and then, of course, Kansas also lost to the Zags uh, by 12, but that was first game of the season. Uh, Kansas coming off a super, super physical game, a defensive battle against Texas Tech. I think that takes a lot out of those guys. Um, I'm going to be taking the points here with Huggy. You know, I, you could sprinkle the money line, I guess, Um but I'd feel a little bit more comfortable taking, like I said, I have the three here. Yeah, um, well, and if it's if it's that type of game where it's going to kind of be like that knockdown, drag down fight like they had with Texas Tech, I like West Virginia in this simply because they're going to be more fresh. Um, they're not playing, they're not coming off a game like Kansas is uh, from Texas Tech. So, yeah, West Virginia, give me the points. We got them at three. I'm glad it's down to two. Hopefully by tip-off tomorrow, West Virginia will be favorite, and then I'll be really loving the play. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, good points. Points well taken all across the board. One thing I will bring up, though, and I am probably not going to be involved here, but any concern, and I don't know if you saw it. I, I know you had your own order of, orders of business on Friday night, but I happened to have Iowa State plus 15.5 against West Virginia and had a no-sweat cover of Iowa State. Was oh, I was very, on that, baby. 
Yeah, okay, good. Yeah, um, yeah that's why. So you're purely a look-ahead Kansas play? Or you, any yeah, 100%. Kind of, so no concerns, really, that no. there's any lingering stuff here? No, I, I don't at all. And to be honest, like I kind of – granted, it, it helped my bankroll because I had Iowa State, like you mentioned, but it also makes me feel good that, like, okay, they were looking ahead. So if they looked ahead – to and me, they still won. <laughs> right, and they still won. They're, they were, they're going to be prepared for this Kansas team. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Not only are they prepared yeah, for them, then they, then they escape this Iowa State team. Like, whoa, all right, let's, right. let's so it's get like, our focus back here. Even and, if they were spending most of last week on Kansas, well, they still won. So right. you don't have to necessarily worry about any mental letdown. Right. And now you would hope this is where all that Kansas prep might actually would benefit them. Exactly, and you flip it the other way. Kansas looks at the game and goes – they barely were able to speak by this Iowa right. State team. You know what I mean? Like, oh, we just played Texas Tech, and, you know, they're one of the top programs in the country right now. We were able to get the job done against them. We'll be able to take care of this West Virginia team. And look, if you go back historically and look at it, Huggy Bear has really, really struggled against Bill Self in this Kansas program. I really think this is going to be the time where they get it done again. I'm probably going to, I'm probably not going to sprinkle the money line, but I really do think they're going to have a, a – very good chance of winning this game. If they cover the well, probably especially if you're right, they go off as the favorite. <laughs> right. Oh yeah, then I'm then I'll be loving it. Absolutely, yeah. So yeah. either way it's a great game. It's it's a treat to have one on Tuesday, right before Christmas, early Christmas gift, so I'm excited to watch it no matter what. Let's wrap things up in the Big Ten where we have a consensus play. This game will actually go off earlier in the day than the Kansas and West Virginia game. But as I said, we're kind of jumping around, picking our spots, and we wanted to end the pod with a consensus play here in the Big Ten in Iowa City. Uh, I'll start uh, by saying I am going to lay the points and back the Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, looks like seven, eights are sitting out there. But, Bill, I don't know what you're seeing on this game. Yeah, I'm on, I'm on it at seven and a half. Seven and a half. Okay, I got eight. Um, but, honestly, uh, I think this is just a vintage – we talked about uh, San Diego State and how I like them coming off that loss against BYU. It's very similar here with Iowa, where, you know, I know that as far as being this high, highly ranked in the country, maybe it's a little new territory for Iowa. But, you know, more often than not, a Fran McCaffrey team doesn't lay down, and they don't lay eggs. And I wouldn't even say they laid an egg on Saturday. Gonzaga's just the best team in the country. Yeah. and it didn't seem to matter that they hadn't played in three weeks. Like they just did Gonzaga stuff on Saturday. And so I don't look at that game and think, Oh, like big trouble for Iowa. Do they have to figure things out on the defensive end of the floor? Absolutely. And if they don't by March, then yeah, probably not going to make a deep run. But having said that, as far as this particular spot, I just think you're getting pure line value here at seven, eight, because let's face it. If, Iowa had covered the spread or maybe won the game against Kansas against Gonzaga, then you're easily looking at double digits here. And Purdue's recent form also kind of indicates that, you know, they're playing well. Boilermakers beat Ohio State in their Big Ten opener. Unfortunately for us, we lost on Notre Dame against Purdue on Saturday. And, you know, here they are now playing Iowa with a chance to make a statement at Iowa City. So I think from that standpoint, like Iowa with a recent loss, Purdue having played well, I think makes me think that this number is a little short given the circumstances. And oh, by the way, even though Iowa mentioned them not 
still not defending well. Like, they still scored 88, 88 points in that game against Gonzaga. And we talked on Saturday, on Friday night into Saturday about how good of a defensive team exactly, Gonzaga is. Exactly, yes. Yep. So I'm not sure, you know, I know Purdue and Matt Painter, normally his teams, and they had a down year last year, but normally his teams are the type that can win games in the 60s, and that's kind of the way that they roll there in West Lafayette. But as far as this particular game, I don't think Purdue's a team that all of a sudden slows down Iowa offensively, and I don't see why Garza just doesn't have another 30, 35-point night and we and Wieskamp and the rest of the shooters don't keep knocking down shots and Iowa doesn't score 90 and win this game like 90-70 to 70 or something like that. That's kind of how I'm seeing it. And lastly, just as far as the – I like to look at the preseason polls, I notice, especially early in the season for the conferences. Purdue only picked to finish ninth in the league. So is an Ohio State win really enough for me to say, well – you know, now they're inching closer to that top tier in the Big Ten. Like, I'm not there yet with the Boilermakers. I think it's just total slow your roll here, and Iowa gets back on track. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. Uh, a lot of things that you said. Iowa, they are 5-1 and one against the spread as the home chalk. You mentioned tough loss to, to the Zags on Saturday. And, and like you said, they it wasn't like they played bad. I mean, yeah, they had some holes defensively they have to fix, but – Nobody is going to expose a defense like this Gonzaga team is going to expose a defense. They can they can do anything. They can go inside. They can go outside. They can run the floor. They can sit down in a half court set. They do everything so so well. Um, I was saying over the weekend after watching that game. This, in my opinion, is hands down the best Gonzaga team that we've ever seen. Oh no um, doubt. And and the fact that we talked about this before the schedule that they're playing, you know, kind of like just going up there and testing themselves as much as they can throughout the year prior to the bell every time. And they are, exactly. They're not, it's not like they're just taking a bad loss um, and getting exposed. It's, it's the other way around, if anything. It's like they're just waking everybody up like, holy shit, this Gonzaga team is absolutely for real. So um, I'm excited for them. Hopefully Mark Few can kind of uh, maybe finally get over that hurdle. and after Tony Bennett gets his that Mark Few wins one. Yeah, this is very true. Very, very true. Um, and you mentioned – Purdue getting the win against Ohio State, getting the win against Notre Dame, back-to-back impressive wins, right? But they did it at home. They did not go on the road. Right. The only road game they've had was at Miami, who's a mediocre team, and they lost. Uh, You said the short number. I 100% agree with you here. I think if you didn't have uh, what happened with Purdue and Notre Dame over the weekend and obviously having Iowa get smacked around in that second half by Gonzaga, if you you take those two games out of it, right, and and you put this game in, that spread is going to be anywhere, in my opinion, from 10.5 to 13.5. That, sure. I think, is a, is, a, is a legitimate spread of what that game should be. The fact that we're getting at this count down here to 7.5, and, and, and I really think it's because of what happened last game for both of these teams, I don't think there's any way you can't take Iowa. I think that um, they're going to come out super hungry. Uh, they're going to take care of Purdue in a very, very big way. This is a game where I can see them absolutely blowing them out at some point, kind of doing what Gonzaga did to them. Um, I'm excited to see the matchup, right, with Travion Williams against Garza. Um, but right. Travion, I don't, I don't. Look, he's a very good player. Uh, I think, however, Garza is going to take this matchup uh, not so much more serious, but more personal. You know, not just from a national standpoint, but you know, it, from a Big Ten standpoint, right? Like, these are two of the best big men inside the conference. I think Garza's is going to take it personal. I think Garza's is going to want to put up monster numbers, and I think he will. You're going to see him go outside. You're going to see him do his thing inside. Um, 
And I don't think uh, I don't think Travion's going to be able to keep up with them in this one. I like Iowa, and I like them very, very big in this game. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say here as I look at Iowa's schedule now, certainly some challenging games non-conference. Uh, North Carolina, Gonzaga, you know, they had their in-state rivalry game against Iowa State. But part of the reason I also like this is it's the Big Ten opener for Iowa. So, right. you know, I would be leaning Iowa, you know, even if they were more competitive against Gonzaga than they were, just on the sole fact that you get a team like this off of a loss, now playing its first conference game, it's kind of like a, all right, reboot. You know, we showed ourselves pretty well in the non-conference. No shame in losing to Gonzaga. Now's when the real season starts. And, again, it's a Purdue team that, like we said, already had that conference opener, was at home. It just feels like a lot of things line up for a get-right spot here for Iowa. So I'm with you there. Any final words, Bill? Uh, I want to ask you. we got NBA start tomorrow night. Anything on the uh, professional hardwood for you tomorrow night? Okay, so I, I will give out. The only thing I bet in the NBA is a win total. Um, and I'm going in the 72-game uh, season. I'm going to go under 45-and-a-half with the Brooklyn Nets. Just kind Ooh. of a fade against the Durant coming back. and Don't say that. It's a fade against Kyrie. That's what it is. Yeah, I was getting there. Um, <laughs> like, let's face it. Like, he had the the one year in Cleveland with LeBron where they won the championship. And I guess all the LeBron years, well, I guess he was only with LeBron for the first two years that he was back in Cleveland for the second stint and then got traded to Boston. But – for the most part, and, and, and yeah, the Boston teams weren't bad, but I just, I think we haven't we seen enough of Kyrie Irving to know that the more you rely on him as, at the top of your rotation, the less likely we are to to be a, a true true contender. Like I, I'm just not Absolutely. seeing it this year with them as far as the Milwaukee's and. You know, call me a homer, I'll throw the Sixers in there. And, and, and even, you know, Miami, I feel like, is getting kind of disrespected a little bit now. Yeah. You know, just, they're bringing everybody back from a team that went to the finals, and nobody's really talking about that as much. So I think it's more of a, um, you know, figure things out type of year for the Nets. Maybe they're dangerous come the playoffs, but regular season win total under for me there on them. Yeah, they're going to be a favorite of mine as far as soap operas go to watch That's what I'm all saying. the year. Like there's going to be there's going to be more talk about their off the court bullshit than you're going to hear about right. their play on the court and just wait you know Kyrie's going to get oh and by the way I, I, I forgot so. to even mention this and this is why I like this too we have no idea if Steve Nash can coach in the NBA <laughs> yes great point <laughs> that is a very very good point yeah we don't know has he coached what has he coached like, like yeah what is the extent of his coaching experience period I'm pretty I, sure I couldn't even tell won, you I think he won a championship. For the thirteen, he's with the Warriors. Girls, or something CYO. Right? Like I don't know. I don't know what he's done. <laughs> nothing. Nothing of substance just yet. But look, I, I won't put it past him. I mean, he's he's one of the great basketball minds that there that, that's out there. We'll see if it translates to the coaching, and not only coaching. I mean, yeah, you got all the talent over there in Brooklyn, but you also have, like we just said, the soap opera that's going to come with it. Who knows how he's going to be able to handle those personalities? I wish him the best of luck, but. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how it's going to pan out for him. Yeah, I mean, the one thing I will say, even as somebody that was on is on the win total under for Brooklyn, mm-hmm. um, he was on those teams, if you remember, with the Lakers, where they went out and got Dwight Howard, and it was the like Mike D'Antoni Lakers, where they yep. just 
woefully underachieved. So, you know, maybe some of that experience as a player he can kind of use to, you know, impart some coaching wisdom on, on his guys in Brooklyn. But, yeah, I, I just think in the Eastern Conference there might not be, you know, that clear team with the monkey on his back like the Lakers in the West. Uh, but that doesn't mean that it's a bad conference. Like, I think you can make a strong case for Milwaukee, obviously, strong case for the Celtics, strong case for the Heat, strong case for the Sixers, and all these teams have a lot of pieces coming back. And I, you know, I don't know about you, but I love what the Sixers did in the offseason, bring finally getting back to surrounding Embiid with shooters. And if Simmons isn't going to shoot, then you got to have shooters around him that he can kick the ball out to. So I'm, I'm excited to see what the Sixers can do. No, I'm glad you're excited because I, I – Grant, I'm glad they made the moves they made, but – Doc I've Rivers, saying, no? Yeah, yeah, I'm okay with it. Look at this. If if Doc can't get these guys to play, you know yeah. what the problem is. I'll put right. it that way. You no know, more like blame than Brett Brown. No, exactly. If he if he can't get him to play, you know what it is. I, I, I'm just going to stand by my stance the last couple of years. We will never – I say we, Philadelphia, will never win a championship um, – with Ben and and Joel on the same team, I just I, I don't oh, see it ever that, happening. That, that eats me inside. I know, I know, I know. And look, I hope they do. I hope they prove me wrong. I just sure. I, so. I don't how about you? Though, any any plays, win totals, opening I, night? To be honest, until like early this afternoon, I completely forgot the NBA was starting tomorrow. Right. I, I I don't know why. Um, so I haven't really looked at much. The only thing that I'm probably going to be playing as far as uh, tomorrow is I'm probably going to be playing a prop of Durant's over in points. I saw it at 25 and a half. Sure. But he's, he's going against he's going against Golden State, a team that's not going to be playing that much defense anyway. Um, yeah, I, I think revenge maybe for him there. Yeah, I, th- I think like yeah, he's going to be like yo Kyrie, just give me the freaking ball. I'm, uh, let me dominate <laughs> this game, you know, and and they'll they'll take care of Golden State. But I really think. I really think he's going to try and put on a show. So over 25 and a half, I think he can get 26 at least uh, pretty easily. So. And, hey, while we're, on, while we're talking about this, wow, Brooklyn's laying seven and a half in that game. Yeah. I mean, I guess without yeah. Clay Thompson, it kind of makes sense. But while we're on this note, uh, I, I don't know how closely you've been paying attention over the years, but uh, five Christmas games, the, the Christmas Day unders have been great in the NBA. So I'm sure I'll end up on at least a few of those. Really, I had not. Yeah, it's, it's if you look it up, like offhand, because you kind of threw it on me fast here with the NBA. I don't know what the numbers are, but huh. it's been a pretty profitable NBA trend to just go under in the Christmas Day games. Very, very interesting. I'm it was either three and two or four and one last year. Okay, I know what I usually do. I'm not a big parlay guy at all, but I usually, I usually do one, uh, one parlay on all the spreads. There you go. I just looked it up. Over 60%, and that's going back to 2005. Wow. How many total plays is that then? Well, you figure minimum four games usually on Christmas, sometimes right. five. So mm-hmm. since 2005, you're, you're talking about close to a full season of okay, yeah. games then. So. Very interesting. But, but yeah, just, just some, something to look at. I'm just saying when the bricks are going up, you know, I will say this too. Part of the reason I do like this is especially that first game is like a 12 noon Eastern time tip. Yeah. We talk about it in college a lot, like those 11 a.m. local starts in the central time zone where they put it in 11 a.m. for the East Coast TV window. Like, ah, maybe there's something to that, too. I mean, all these games are at wacky times to start, you know, 2 o'clock or whatever. So 
I don't know. But, hey, you're talking about going back since 2005. Like I said, that's four or five games a year for 15 years. You're getting close to a full season sampling now. Yeah, I like it. Definitely so, interesting. I'm definitely going to take a look at that. You know, Keep an eye the, on that. What the saying is, though, right, like life's too short to bet the under. But, <laughs> hey, life, life's too short to be pissing money away, too. So if unders are profitable, I'll be taking unders. Hey, Bill, let's enjoy our holidays. I'm sure we'll chat again at some point next week uh, to do another college basketball podcast. But uh, certainly want to wish you and yours a happy and healthy holiday season. Thanks. Same to you. And for your listeners out there that are not on my free telly, get on it. Get those leads. It's on. 25 and 8, guaranteed again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're going to be 15 and 16 come tomorrow. Uh, But it it should be on my pinned tweet. If not, feel free to DM me. Um, But I want to try and get, like I've been saying to everybody on Twitter, I want to pay off all of your holiday debt this week. (laughs) Although, be careful and manage your bankroll the right way. But. There he is, Bill Christie. Find him on Gambling Twitter, Lucha Larry, at Larry's Watch 2. My name is Greg Frank. Find me and all of my picks at Undercover Greg. Enjoy the Tuesday college hoops. Enjoy the bowl games. And most importantly, enjoy your holidays. Stay healthy, stay safe, and enjoy the time with the family. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire Gambling Podcast. And, of course, holidays or not, please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.